Congratulations. You're expecting a child. You and your partner are starting a family. Amazing, wonderful, exciting. Hopefully it's under positive circumstances. Maybe it's not. Maybe it was not planned. Maybe it wasn't under the best of circumstances. Either way, you're having a child. Do you know what you're in for? Anyone who says that they do is perhaps a good liar. What we're going to talk about today, I think, deserves more of a discussion. And my co-host for today agrees, thankfully. We're going to talk about how the individual changes both positive and the challenging when you have a family. In a previous episode, we talked about the process of starting a family and the challenges that may come along with that. Now you have a family. This is not focusing on, okay, how could you be a better parent, which is all very valuable. This is talking about, I used to be this individual and maybe I had a relationship with a long-term partner, which still has a significant amount of independence. And now I have this other human being here. How does that change things for me as an individual, as a unit of parents? And that changes throughout the life cycle as well. So I am really looking forward to this one. I've been thinking about this topic for a long time. I hope you enjoy as well. If you do, if you get something out of it, share it, support us, rate it, comment, all that good stuff that's going to help us get to more ears. This is Mental Filter. Welcome back, everybody, to Mental Filter, where we get to talk to interesting people about lots of interesting things all through the lens of mental health. As you probably know already, my name is Shmuel Fischler. I'm a clinical social worker, and I own and run a specialized practice just a bit north of Baltimore, CBT Baltimore. And I have been looking far and wide, trying to find the right person to join me on this particular topic, which you heard about in the introduction. So I'm really anxious to get this started. So without further ado, Ellie, can you please introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah, my name is Ellie Weinstein. I am an LCSW that was living in New York, still licensed in New York, and recently about a month ago moved out to Vegas. I run a private practice uh, where I specialize in relationships, parenting, and anxiety, certified in trauma work as well, and soon to be certified in Gottman therapy. Uh, married with two kids, and I have a podcast called The Dude Therapist Myself, where I'm a dude who happens to be a therapist and a therapist who happens to be a dude. That's it. Just trying to try to do better every day, you know, to keep posting content, create, and uh, help at least one person if I can. Fantastic. And that's exactly what we're trying to do today. And you're having a family and being a parent is very relevant. I'm a parent as well. And so, like I said, I've been really been looking for the right person to talk to about this. And I find, and I'm curious if you agree, that it's a very underspoken topic. You know, I mentioned an introduction, but really what we want to talk about is like the flip side of parenting. There's lots of talk about, well, how do I be a better parent, a more present parent, a more compassionate parent, all wonderful stuff. We want to be the best that we can for our children. And I haven't really found so much where it's talked about is like, 
what happens to us when we become parents? A recent episode I had on someone, we talked about the process of starting a family and the ups and downs of trying to start a family. Okay, now that we have a family and we're parents, like what does that do to us? What does that change for us before we were one, maybe two people? Yeah. And, and now all of a sudden there's more people and then even more people. And I'm really want to dive into how it affects us. What I would call BP versus AP before parenting and after parenting. So I'm just curious in general, have you heard this talked about? And then we'll dive in to more of it. I've heard it being talked about from a female's perspective. Ah. A lot of parenting and things of that nature are a lot of times really focused on the parent. But which parent? And it's usually the women. And it's not a bad thing, but that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, is to be able to have that conversation, to create that voice and that atmosphere of a support for both as best as I can. But there are a lot of conversations of like postpartum and how to deal with postpartum and reconnection and things of that nature, but it's not as often or as common that is needed. Right. And it's already a while ago at this point. The one distinct time that I remember being talked about was back in grad school and it was a developmental psychology course and could be that most people listening haven't been to a developmental psychology course. And we're talking about, you know, as we go through life from when we're kids and then adolescents and then adults or at least physically adults, <laughs> and then we catch up and emotionally we become adults and we become more independent and the different hats that we wear and sometimes simultaneously we're wearing different hats. And that's the one really distinct time that I remember we were discussing, okay, one big change is that when you become a parent, all of a sudden it's not just you and your partner, it's <laughs> somebody else. So, I mean, from a developmental perspective, can you like walk people through maybe sort of like even from an individual and then as they maybe have a significant other and then they have a bunch of significant others from a, like a developmental lens. Can you maybe shed some light on that for people? Yeah. And just to clarify, it's developmental of the people themselves and not the kids, right? Yes, exactly. So there's like this idea that people get afraid of hearing, which is adulting, right? It's like this idea that all of a sudden we can't just do what we want when we want, how we want it. And there's recently I've been seeing, I don't know why on TikTok, like these videos of like 20s versus 30s, right? My 20s versus my 30s. And it just came up this morning. I was going to video something and then someone came up and then I, of course, got distracted and didn't video anything. And it was like, oh, my 20s. Oh, I woke up at 1030. That's too early. Or, oh, I drank too much the night before. Or all these things of me, me, me. And there's no other that I have to be responsible for. And Funny enough, as a relationship specialist, when people get married, we do push the idea of individuality within the relationship. Not that you are going to be a selfish human being, but that you focus on yourself as well as how that impacts the unit, but you have the ability and it is pushed to have individuality. Okay, so this is the theme that's going on, like individuality, myself, I have a partner. I don't have to really worry about them. They're an adult too. And then you have something that solely relies on you forever. Forever, right? I remember the day my daughter was born. 
I have two kids. I have a three-year-old daughter and a six-month-old son. And my daughter was born, no joke, it must have been within 30 minutes of her birth. You know, we're crying, my parents are there, my in-laws are there, it's beautiful, it's so much joy. My mom looks at me and says, from now on, you are forever a parent. And I went, wow, really? Right now? Like, you know, but it was just a huge moment. And like last night, my daughter was up half the night. I don't want to be up half the night. I want to sleep, but my daughter needs me. So the development of perspective has to shift. That yes, your individuality is super important, but it's just not the priority anymore. And that takes a lot of hard work to not get so angry, frustrated, even resentful of your children taking that limelight or the the focus of your attention when it's been you for years. That is like a huge shift that has to happen. It's so hard to accept that. Very well said. And I think a big piece of that is to acknowledge that. That, yes, there's that piece of that that I don't have anymore. But, okay, but there's a good reason for it. It's almost a little ironic. Like, it reminds me. So years ago, I had a part-time job and I worked in a nursing home. So mm-hmm. older people. And simultaneously, I was also working in an adolescent clinic. So I saw like two ends of the life cycle. And there are a lot of similarities, actually. And it's, you know, you sort of see like people can become more similar to adolescents at the end of life. And if I'm thinking about it, I'm like visualizing in my head. So as a kid, you know, you're completely dependent on your parents. And then you start to develop some sort of independence, whether it's like basic living skills and you're able to cross the street and then maybe you go to a sleepaway camp and then you go to college. You're still dependent financially. And I still remember getting my first car where I was able to decide when I can go somewhere and where I can go. And like, I'm free. And then you be this adult and you get your job and then like you can make your own decisions. And then even after you are in a relationship, there's still a lot of freedom and independence. And then boom, just like you said, like, uh, no, now I'm dependent on their sleep schedule and their school schedule and my money. No, I can't really just like spend it wherever I want because, hey, there's like, you know, tuition and food and trips and all this stuff. It's almost like this full circle that happens, which is a little bit ironic. Yeah, it is. And it's so funny. Like I said before, one of the hard shifts is accepting. And it doesn't mean that that is forever as well. Like, When my daughter was first born, there was a different buy-in and acceptance of the reality that needed to happen because she was a newborn, right? And then she grew up and continues to grow up. And then my ability or my needs and her needs shift, which changes our schedule, right? And my wife's ability changes. And now that we have a six-month-old, now it reshifts again in a different way. And it doesn't have to be something that is static or that, well, this is going to be my life forever because I haven't gotten three hours of sleep, you know, straight in a year, but it's going to happen sometime. So like, let's say, for example, you used to be an avid person who works out or eats a certain way. Like there needs to be some compassion and grace for yourself that those things might be pulled back a little bit or shift because... You're not sleeping well, which means you're going to be a little moody, not eat as healthy as you need to or want to. You're not going to be able to work out as much. Maybe you won't be able to. I know, I don't know if this is a religious, religious podcast, but like even just as an Orthodox Jew going to prayers in the morning, right? 
I haven't gone to prayer in the morning in a while because my kids in the morning and my wife's job and the needs that they all have at the same time need to be met. And that could be messed with your system. You're like, but I, I was always told I have to go to prayer in the morning. And now it's like, but your daughter needs to go to school on time. Uh, your baby's screaming and your wife has to start work. And so do you. So like, how do we fit that all in? And you're going to leave for 45 minutes or 30 minutes to a synagogue to go pray. Right. It's right. just doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. But there is this kind of like, oh, wow, I need to rethink this for a second and readjust and pivot to fit those things in and see how it can all be like shaken in the same bag and everyone gets their, you know, gets their time. And ultimately something might have to give. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Do you find like with the people that you work with in your travels, does it make a difference on the attitude that people have or the shift which may or may not happen dependent on how their family started what i mean to say is that parenting is one of the things that you don't need a license for you need a license for a lot of things but becoming a parent well i don't have to teach everyone about the birds and the bees but becoming a parent is not necessarily that difficult so if it's planned versus unplanned or why they want to have children unfortunately this won't shock you maybe won't shock a lot of people but sometimes people are like well if we start a family that's going to resolve other problems all our other issues if we just have this family but do you find any sort of connection between under what circumstances yeah you're started versus that challenge of that shift that you're talking about yeah i'll go with a few examples so i've adhd so i'm going to say two and it might end up being four so we'll see where the brain takes me this morning um i work with someone or have worked with someone actually where they have a few biological kids and one adopted kid and the adopted kid had a mom who was addicted to drugs which then had an addiction, which then impacted, you know, the kid was in, what's it called? I forgot the terminology, was in... What, detox? No. Detox, yeah. And so that shifted the needs and perspective of that kid who is adopted. Adoption alone can shift the viewpoint of that kid or the family's viewpoint or the parent's viewpoint, good or bad, right? I think unexpected pregnancies, surprises or whoopsies pregnancies or too early in a relationship pregnancies like if you're really not solid for yourselves as a unit and not that you were trying to fix a need or fill a need by having a kid but all of a sudden you're pregnant and you guys haven't figured each other out yet that's going to impact the kid and your viewpoint of the kid because the chaos or the intensity of having a child is very very stressful on a relationship and i have permission to say this for my wife our first year with our daughter ricky was one of the hardest years of our marriage. We were at each other's throats. I don't mean physically, I mean just snipping and snapping and biting and every little thing was an argument and a conversation because we were so tired, we were so overwhelmed. Not that we weren't ready. We waited because we had to do IVF, right? We were planning this. It was a long, long journey of a lot of emotions and pain and hope and then eventually joy. Both of our kids are IVF babies. That shifts how you parent and deal with kids, right? And everything can impact how you adjust. And no joke, and I'm sure you know this, even if you're ready and you plan for years, you don't know what the heck you're doing. I don't care how many books you read. I don't care if you read every single article and blog post and follow every single Instagram account or listen to podcasts talk about parenting. 
when you're parenting, you are dealing with it different than anyone else has ever been doing it before. There might be similarities, but how you deal with it, when you deal with it, and what's going through your mind shifts from anything you've heard and read. Now, this readings might give you support and direction, and the podcast might give you that you know someone else who's been through a similar experience of sleep regressions and vomiting and spit up and tongue ties and bottle feeding, breastfeeding, all that kind of stuff. But it's never, you've never had the experience before. So imagine you throw in 18 other things into it. It's even harder. And I think there's a disservice that social media does to parents. I know I felt this where you look at newborn like photo shoots or a couple that just had a baby and they're posting their picture in the hospital, celebrities or influencers, and it looks like it's the most magical thing in the world. And that they only post the videos of the laughing and the joy and the happiness. And they only share the moments of calm and peace. But it's hectic. And it is chaotic at times. And it is stressful and overwhelming and doubtful and wondering what is going on and how you got here. And everyone then, I feel that when we post so much about the joys and the happiness and not the reality of parenting, which is both and all of it, it makes you feel ashamed that you're doing something wrong as a parent, which is hard then to go, am I doing something wrong? Do I have to shift? So I think there's so much that goes into it. I don't know if I really answered your question. Like I said, ADHD brain, but I think there is a lot of anecdotal things I've seen. I haven't looked at research that how a kid is brought into this world can impact the relationship and how the adjustment is easier, even though it is really hard, no matter what. Yeah. Thank you. No, you did answer. And just to highlight a couple of points you said that, and then if you're seeing all these things on social media and then you feel like, oh, am I being a good enough parent? And then you feel guilty. That then translates into also how you parent. Because I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm, and I've dealt with this, that when a parent's feeling extra guilty, if they're good enough, and then let's say as their child gets over and we can talk about, you know, it also changes when they become teenagers. And then if they're not responding or if they're not, you know, behaving or following in a certain way that then the guilt kicks in and then some people handle guilt in different ways. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they lay the guilt on because they're feeling guilty and then they want them to comply. Mm -hmm. And and sort of like that just sort of reinforces and reinforces and reinforces. Yeah. Um, So I agree with everything you said. And I'll just add that you mentioned how getting to know one another, like, do we know each other well enough? I mean, on the flip side of that, you know, people can be like playing with fire because like you said, you're never really going to be prepared enough. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for the answer of like, well, when is enough? <laughs> when is prepared enough? It's like, it's just enough. Mm-hmm. There's no like, I am. It's like, it's enough because there is no right time you can't know how you'll do until you're in it and then no backsies you know like you're in so you know some people intentionally choose i don't know if you heard this term before actually i one time had someone come in i was working with and he mentioned well my wife and i we live a dink lifestyle i've never heard that before what is that and i'm like what's a dink what i never heard that before what's dink he said dual income no kids Oh. And so, okay, so, you know, it might be uh, like a sensitive topic to people because people have maybe strong opinions on if you choose yeah. to have a family or choose not to have a family. But 
we never really got into that, but perhaps they decided there is a good reason why we shouldn't have kids, you know, yeah. and, and I don't know, power to them, you know, there could be lots of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're choosing, know like sort of like what you're getting into, you know, and it's, yeah, it's true. You have to be committed to that. Yeah. And I think it's an important thing. Not everyone needs to have kids. Like, I think there's just a massive assumption that if you get married and that, you know, are together for, like, if you don't want to have kids, that's your right. You don't need to have children just because everyone or other people are. And so that's a huge assumption as well, is that, that we feel that, oh, I have to have this pressure to have kids because, you know, my sister has kids, my brother has kids, my parents had kids clearly because I'm here. But if it's not right for you, you're not ready, take your time. And it doesn't mean that you ever will be ready, but I really feel that what ready means is are you available and okay with giving your time and affection and love and focus to another person that cannot give it back as well, that will test you and challenge you? Do you think you can do that? Other than that, no matter how much money you save, it's going to be zapped up in a second. You know, like no matter how much and how many years or how many books you read or therapy you go to to plan and prep, it's still not the real thing. But are you willing to be able to put yourself aside for another person? That to me is one of the biggest readiness that has to happen. And in essence, what you're describing is a certain level of loss yeah. that you have to be willing to accept. That could be yeah. really, really hard. Yeah, there is kind of like a grief process, a grieving process of losing your quote unquote old self. Right. There is. And like you said earlier, it can even lead to sort of resenting what your kids are yeah. quote, like taking from me, you know? Yeah. So interesting, right? Yeah. And I think it also changes even as these types of like pieces of acceptance mm-hmm. change as they get older. So, you know, when they're little and again, we're not focusing on being a good parent for this, but. And they're little and they're so completely dependent on you and they're really cute. And even though they take a lot of sleep and a lot of attention, but they also smile and they giggle and you play with them and that's all great. And they run and hug you. And then what happens when, you know, the hormones kick in (laughs) and then it's like, you know, you're dead to me (laughs) or, you know, they're very clearly not using their frontal lobes Mm -hmm. (laughs) on making wise decisions. I mean, I can say from my own personal experience, it's a very humbling experience to realize how little control we have. I mean, I know it, but then when it's like, it's real life, you think like you have in the back, yeah, my cute seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, we got this, we're good, it's great. And then it's like, nope, give you a little, uh, you know, right hook here. And no, you don't. And I can say it's difficult, but if you don't accept how little actual control we have, then Mm -hmm. it's going to be a really rough ride. Yeah, it really is. And and, you know, it's funny because my daughter's three and she's already a teenager. So I'm excited for that. (laughs) I'm excited for that. And it's a a funny thing that that thing you just said about control. I think there's like this idea that as parents that we control our kids we are so misguided in that because they're their own humans. And if we have any thought that we are actually going to be able to control and do anything like that, we are so wrong. And it's hilarious that we think that because we got nothing on them. 
They totally control us. We're in the palms of their hands because they need us and they need us more than we, sometimes we want to say, but like they got it. They got us, you know, wrapped around their little fingers, whether we want to admit it or not. And I don't mean in like a manipulative way. I mean, out of need. So we have no control. We might create an atmosphere of control where we give them options and, you know, we, we drive them places and without us, they wouldn't be able to go from place to place and do things. You know, the play debts that we make and the relationships that they have and the schools that they go to. But, you know, they come home and then it's all them, you know? Right. 100%. And unless- By the way, I love being a parent. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> um, they're for it. I mean, being yeah. a parent, like, really forces you to take a good look at yourself. I mean, it, it just like you're confronted with it. You can't get around it. And it's there. Yeah, um, it's just unavoidable. Yeah, it is. So to go back to something you said earlier and just take it a little bit deeper. So what would you tell people who they're transitioning into having a family, however many kids, one kid, two kids, three kids, and they're getting older and they are struggling with trying to find this balance? Well, there's I'm the individual mm-hmm. and I have all these interests, desires, needs pursuits, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. And then I also value having a family. Like I had a family for a reason, (laughs) assuming it was intentional. And Ellie, how do I balance it? Do I feel like it's impossible? I feel like it's either all theirs Mm -hmm. and then I get lost. And then I'm going to wake up in 20 years, 30 years, and I'm going to be like, who the heck am I? Or or I'm going to have this like power struggle with providing for my kids. I love that question. So I think the biggest thing is that all or nothing never helps us because it means we're giving up one, right? We're always losing something, right? And I think it's natural to have that all or nothing thinking. Either it's, you know, all my kids and nothing with me or all me and then my kids suffer. I don't know. I think I got a pretty good balance where like when my kids are awake, go, go, go. When they're at school, if I have like, you know, I'm a therapist, like I said, so I have some flexibility in my schedule. I'll go to the gym if I can, or I'll take a nap or I'll eat, right? That's important. Eat and go to the bathroom. But it also means when my kids are asleep at night, that's when my wife and I have a real honest discussion about our needs. So like there's a popular thing out here in Vegas and the West Coast called pickleball. And my father-in-law and I started playing. So we go twice a week. After the kids are in bed at like nine o'clock at night, we go for like an hour, hour and a half. But I don't go unless my wife, not that I need her permission, but to make sure that she's okay being with the kids. Because if she wasn't, that doesn't help. Because when I get home, then it's craziness. So it's all about having a discussion with your partner to ask and express what your needs are and see if it's possible to be done. It might not be a daily thing. It might not be a weekly thing, but it might be every other week or once a month. And it also opens the conversation for your partner to feel that they have an opportunity to share what their needs are or what their needs can be or how they can be met. It also means being flexible, that if your night isn't happening because something comes up, that you try to make it work in another way. Maybe it means waking up, and I know this is a crazy thing to suggest to parents because we're so tired, 30 minutes before your kids usually wake up and have a quiet coffee and breakfast or journaling or prayer or meditation or whatever you do. Or it means really making the most of the nighttime. And it's about creating smaller moments that are about you. It's not going to be the big things. 
and maybe once or twice a year you're able to go and do something for you. But I think it's a really big issue that people go through where they lose themselves until empty nesters and they look at themselves and go, who the heck am I? But it doesn't have to happen if we become active in smaller ways to get our needs met and realize that it's not all or nothing and that our kids are not the ones that are sucking our life. We are choosing, whether for whatever reason, prioritizing sleep, which is important, sitting on the couch and watching four hours of TV at night, right? Or anything that we might do, that's on us to take control of the time that we have when our kids are not needing us. And that takes a lot of action and a lot of pushing through, a lot of motivating ourselves when we're really tired and asking for help so we can get those breaks as well, willing to hire babysitters or nannies to be able to help out, or mannies, no judgment, to be able to get the help we need so that we don't lose ourselves because that's a disservice to us because we're individuals, we matter, and our role as parents are just important as our role to ourselves. They can coexist and it's shifting from taking the big opportunities and looking for the opportunities where they present themselves. So if when you were single or whether it was just you and your partner, you can like hop on a trip to, you know, you like to travel and like, oh, we're going to go backpacking for a week. And, mm-hmm. and now it's like uh, there's another human being living with us. You can't just do that. That doesn't mean it's like, oh, stupid kid, you took away all my travel and I can't yeah. do it. So it might just be OK. So you break it down into something smaller or you have to be more planned and maybe it's just a hike in the afternoon when the kids are in school i I like what you're saying that he's just shifting it into the smaller opportunities and if you don't not only do you lose yourself Mm -hmm. and what happens when you become empty nesters if both of you have lost yourselves it's not going to be all peaches and cream once you become empty nesters because if you're both like shells of yourself like i don't know what kind of relationship you're going to have once you do make it you know some people like okay you know when we become empty nesters you know it's like this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow but if you're not taking care of any of this like as you're going along the rainbow there ain't going to be no pot of gold yeah true very very true have you but have you had people i mean you don't have to get into specifics but even have you had people who are literally have developed this real resentment the fact that they have you know some level of resentment towards their children, not because they don't like their children, but because what it's taken from them, or maybe they felt pressure to have more children. And now it's like, oh my goodness, this is a lot. Have you, yeah. have you dealt with that? Definitely. I've definitely had people that I've worked with in the past that do fester and hold on to some resentment about their kids. Very much so. Very, very much so because they weren't ready or maybe they weren't sure or maybe they realize that they're not fit or want to be parents anymore. It's hard. It's very, very hard. Right. Well, let's flip it then. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about like, you know, challenges and negative. What about some of the benefits and the gains that being a parent so yes, it changes the sh- our shift of our, our perspective and what our priorities are and changing how we look at opportunities. What about the positive developments that it has on a person who becomes a parent? Yeah, I'll just talk from experience and we can talk about, you know, anecdotal watching other people be parents. For me, it taught me to learn to be more aware and patient of my surroundings as well as more uh, cognizant 
of human beings and being empathetic and understanding of emotions, right? It, it forced me to have real communication and conversation with my, my wife to create deeper understanding of her and what she needs. And the joy that I get from my children, I could and would never get it from my wife and cannot get it from a dog. I cannot get it from, no offense to any dog lovers, it's just something that it's a part of me. It's a part of me. When my daughter and I drive back from school and she says, Daddy, I love you. You're my best friend. It's a feeling that you cannot recreate in another way. And it's extremes amount of time and effort and love and affection and just pushing yourself that creates a more mature and more, I think, a pure outlook on life that is very much like a child's thought process, I think is a huge add to me as an adult where I can look at something from a different perspective because she goes, look, daddy, and expresses something that I would never see or never notice or colors or a level that she's looking at that makes me become open and aware. And the last thing I would say, my heart is more open. I am more compassionate and giving grace to people in their stuff because my child has opened my heart in a way that my wife could never do very well said <laughs> very well said i have uh, like i said love being a parent similar sentiments to add to that I, you know kids are very very honest like you said they have a fresh perspective so they have this like innocent outlook on life but also they can be brutally honest oh my gosh it's hilarious but so scary <laughs> and then they can be very honest about you so they can get called out on things but i mean yep. that, i mean that in a great way because then you get to be aware of what you're doing like even just being aware of we communicate in so many ways not just with our words but with our you know body language and our reactions to things and then they react and so you just have to be more conscious of hey there's other people and they take things in certain ways and that certainly has developed for me and also being you know it may be difficult to grow into it but just being less selfish <laughs> because, I love that. because if you want to be a good parent you have to develop being less what's what's the what's the opposite of selfish giving I don't know, uh, understanding, compassionate, empathic, yeah. you know, all those things, because you just have to. And so yeah. like I said earlier, don't get me wrong, it can be difficult, but I definitely think I'm a better person for it. Yeah. And I would say that there's something interesting that happens where that idea of like the pure honesty, my, my daughter said to me, he goes, daddy, daddy, you have peanut butter in your teeth. I said, what? No, I don't. She goes, yeah, they're they're brown. I was like, oh, my heart. Or like, like, like just so honest. Like I have darker teeth. Okay. I drink, probably drink too much coffee or something for the positive when I am like, you know, cause my business and everything that I do is really from my technology, my cell phone. If she like, we're playing, she goes, daddy, put your phone down. We're playing. Like she's smacking me around to pay attention and give attention. Like I need that. That's good. So I love that checks and balances that she kind of holds me to. That really is an unbelievable thing that there's just no, there's no beating around the bush with her, right? My son's a little too young, so he kind of gives away the things because he's six months old. But it's just this idea that she says it how it is, and that's awesome. And it's hilarious and funny and cute 
and beautiful, but like it is challenging. It is challenging, but I wouldn't trade it for any other thing. Yeah, another. This is like I'm I'm laughing a lot here because another thing just popped into my head is that as someone who treats a lot of OCD, I realize that there's another tangential benefit is that if you're changing a whole bunch of diapers and you're having toddlers that are like <laughs> snot dripping down their nose and everything is just dirty and I know OCD is way beyond just being you know germs and there's a lot more to that but you got to deal with messes and dirt and disgusting things and disgusting smells and guess what you get used to it and you learn to adapt so you're forced to learn to adapt to a lot of things that's all yes and i think there's like a very much like an act thing of like learning psychological flexibility as well as physical flexibility i don't mean like physically being able to stretch well Um, i'm just talking about like my daughter pooped in the pool like four times the past couple of weeks potty training and I'm literally holding poop in my hand that is not enjoyable in any way shape or form that I would ever want for me at any day at any time I don't care who you are that's not fun well, but I would do it again for read, her if you read the fine print in the contract it's yeah like, right so have you to will hold poop in your poop hand. hand it's nasty but you know what watching her swim and the fish that she's becoming brings me so much joy that she's so happy i don't want to hold the poop right or like being spit up on like that's why i wear t-shirts a lot because i was tired of getting my real clothes dirty and there is an adjustment that happens where you start realizing and i think that this is something that i didn't say before you start realizing you have a lot more skills and strengths than you ever knew you had before the fact that you can run on low sleep The fact that you can take care of another human being and keep them alive is a big enough skill on its own that you can, you know, be patient, loving when it's hard. You can do all these things that you never would have had an opportunity to do. Like the fact that you love a being that doesn't give you any reciprocal love, a baby, a newborn blob, and you just want to take care of it, hold it, love it, kiss it, you know, that takes effort. It's hard. And you're able to do it and you can and you get through it and you're like, wow, like that's unbelievable skills and strengths that you would have never learned about yourself yeah. because of that experience. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I know please, we, please don't take uh, the pooping holding thing as a skill. It's not a skill you want to have. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know we only have just a couple minutes. I wish we could talk even longer, but I appreciate everything you just said. And I, I want to make just one comment that, you know, for people who maybe have a hard time having children or choose not to have children this is not like an indictment on any of that it's just we're just trying to bring out what the experience is like of being a parent so and and, and and just to give a caveat ad before not to cut you off is hey i went through ivf like i understand the pain and suffering of watching people have kids and in no way shape or form is this supposed to be a kids suck they're the worst don't have them Or they're amazing and the best thing and you better have them. This is just the balance of those two things and the reality that parenting is really hard yet really enjoyable at the same time. Yeah, everything in between. So I have almost like a story that I want your opinion on and then we'll wrap it up because I know you have to go. I don't remember where I heard this. I know it was a very long time ago. I just thought it was like an interesting observation and I'm curious your thought on it. Someone once told me and he was relating it to parenting I have nothing to really back this up. So I just want to put that out there. Okay. Said that typically 
if someone is in a relationship and the other spouse like betrays them in some way they're unfaithful they do something you know really hurtful you know they might end the relationship faster than if someone's child can do something really really egregious i mean really egregious i mean i don't know where the line is a child do something tremendously tremendously egregious whether it's directed to them or not and it will take a lot lot more to actually like abandon your child hopefully you know let's say on, on average and his observation was why do i think that is because some of the stuff that you were just talking about a baby is dependent on us and for the first how many years all it's completely 100 percent one-sided giving, 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 investing, giving, giving, investing, investing. And even when they start to become more dependent, you're still giving and giving. Even when they're adults and maybe they're supposed to be more dependent, you're still giving. And you're just like having these deposits and deposits and investing. And when you invest so much without even the expectation of anything in return, because they can't, then that just builds this like sense of like loyalty that will take so much more that even if they do something that's hurtful and egregious, that you won't abandon them. I think part of the point of him saying was is like when you in even adult relationships and work relationships, where sometimes you can turn a conflict around by deciding mm -hmm. to just invest in the relationship and put into the relationship without expecting things in the return. I just thought it was an interesting observation of the difference between someone you meet as an adult and then your children because you just invest so much. Yeah, I think it's so true. I, also, I think there's an expectation that an adult should know better and not do something to hurt me. And if they do something to hurt me, it's like purposeful or aggressive or malicious. And I, I think hopefully we don't come with a viewpoint like that for our children, right? When a kid breaks a vase, they're not doing it. And if your kid is doing it on purpose, please message me. We'll have a conversation because that might be something else. Right? If your kid is purposely doing malicious things and hurting you and trying to do something on purpose, right? you have proof that it's on purpose, that's a different topic. But if your kid is emotionally expressing themselves and hits you in the face by accident, you're not going to hit them back. If an adult hits you in the face, you're going to react differently because there's purpose behind their actions. With kids, you just take it with stride that it's not purposeful. Like for example... I'll take the example I had before with my daughter pooping in the pool. If an adult did that, we have a very different conversation than my daughter. My daughter's just started potty training. Even if she's a little older, where it's years, right? Where she's, let's say, seven or eight. It's a different conversation than a 30-year-old wife or husband or partner or friend who poops in your pool. You're going to get a lot more agitated and frazzled and annoyed and expressive in your thought process than your kid. You're like, oh, don't worry. It's okay. It happens. You're so much more compassionate for a kid, especially yours. One, because you raised them. You've been there from the beginning. You've put in the effort and time of long nights, sick days, you know, time off, arguments, tears, laughter, and joy. And even if you do that with your partner, it's still an adult. There's a different vibe. You don't look at them. And I think that I've worked with parents where it's a problem that they look at their kids as the adults in a relationship. Not that they are, that they're kids in there, but that they're expecting their kids to be adults. 
Well, why would my kid just not tell me how it is? They have good vote. No, they're three years old. They can't tell you their feelings. They might be able to say ridiculous concepts and make up stories, but they can't tell you all the time. Or they should eat this. It's good for them, right? So if we expect our kids to be adults, we're going to treat them like adults. And we shouldn't be treating them like adults. We need to treat them like kids. And if we treat adults like kids, it's going to... So I love that story. I think it's so true. Also, I don't think kids can cheat on you. You know, I don't think they can really have affairs. <laughs> but I say, like, take it even further that even when they become older, because there's so much investment in yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it will take so much more. But like, yeah, I agree. Children are not small. And, and oh. anecdotally, I know we have like a second or so. I had a client recently tell me that their parent said to them, if you were a friend of mine, I would have cut you off already. But because you're my kid, now there's a lot more to this and it's, not the best thing to say to your children. I would not suggest this. But because you're my kid, I have a lot more patience and I'm willing to push through that because you're my child. So proof that people do feel that, right? Because you're my child. But if you weren't, I wouldn't be talking to you. I would never talk to you again. I would cut you off. So that says a lot about the parent, whatever. Wow. Yeah. Reason why the person's in therapy, right? Yeah. Parents can, yeah. And now, thanks to you, I'm not going to be able to get that scene with Bill Murray in um, A Poop in the Pool. Um, I'm forgetting. <laughs> Do you know the movie I'm talking about? I don't know uh, the movie, but I've seen it, yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, Caddyshack. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Yes. All right. I know you got to go. This was great, and I'm sure we could have talked for more about how can people find out more about your podcast, your practice, or you know, you share a lot of content. How can people find you? Sure. So I have a website, EllieWeinsteinLCSW.com. Uh, my Instagram is EllieWeinstein underscore LCSW. My podcast is called The Dude Therapist. Like I said, I'm just a dude who happens to be a therapist and a therapist who happens to be a dude. I have great conversations with great guests. I'll talk about mental health and wellness. It's on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those streaming sites. And it's also on my website. And the Instagram account for that's at the Dude Therapist. So hopefully you reach out and uh, hopefully I can help in some way or another. And if I can't, maybe I can help find someone who can. And thanks for having me on. It was really, really fun. My pleasure. And I will share, for those listening, I'll share all the links and stuff in the details of the podcast. Thanks again. Thanks so much.